right. Good evening, Crossroads. Uh, thanks for everyone for being here this evening. If you would, would you please stand and worship here together?
Appreciate that. I want to ask you to take a moment, just greet everybody around you. Welcome everybody to Saturday Night Live, all right? We're glad that you're here tonight. All right, and you may be seated. We're glad that you're here tonight. Thanks for coming, and uh, we're glad that you are smiling. You know, you guys smile a lot better when it's not raining. 
and when it's not snowing, and when it's not hailing and sleeting, all right? So uh, we're glad that we finally have a little bit of summer and sunshine around here, but we're glad that you're here tonight. Welcome to Crossroads. I want to invite you to just uh, look inside of your bulletin. There's a lot going on around the church. Um, next week, we'll, uh, actually tomorrow, we'll be having our new members class. If you are interested in how do I become a member of Crossroads, what's my next step, how do I get involved more, Come and check that out. That'll be 12.15 tomorrow after church. We have a brief lunch afterwards, and then we stay for about an hour and a half. And then uh, you'll notice there's a number of other things going on. We've got, we're going to be honoring our grads here in just a few weeks, coming up on May the 22nd. And uh, we're going to, we want to bless them and encourage them as they begin their new life, as the, as the high school kids graduate, some of our college kids graduate. So if you know somebody that is graduating, uh, please drive them to our website, submit their information, and we're going to ask them to be here next weekend so that we can uh, so that we can honor them. And then you'll notice if you'll just look inside of your bulletin there that we have a car cruise that'll be starting here. That'll start on May the 31st here at five o'clock, where they go from five to nine. So you can come anywhere during that time. Uh, Hal will be making his I call them tube steaks. All right. Where's Hal at? I saw him earlier. There he is. All right. Hal, you got the tube steaks ready, right? He makes tube steaks. Those are hot dogs, all right? So he'll be making them in the gym. And uh, I, the, what's really exciting is that gym is air-conditioned this year. Can we thank Bob Price for that, huh? Yeah. Bob Price, uh, who's floating around out in the foyer or on the porch out there, he's always greeting out there. Uh, you know, he was uh, he installed that for us. And uh, I'll give you a little secret. Bob's over 80 years old. So thank God for people like that around here, don't we? So, uh, but that that is going to be up and running, so you can get out of the heat and go in and have a hot dog, tube steak, whatever, inside the air-conditioned gym. Come back out. But I want to encourage you to get the word out in our community. This is a Tuesday night car cruise, five to nine. It's uh, it's low key, but I'll tell you what. I've ran into so many people who have told me how much they love our car cruise, and they they go to many car cruises and they say this is one of the best ones. Because it's just laid back, and it's just a nice, fun time. So I want to encourage you, even if you're not into cars, come on up. You'll have plenty of opportunities to do that every Tuesday throughout the summer. We'll go from uh, Tuesday, May 31st, all the way till Labor Day weekend. So I want to encourage you to jump in and be a part of that. That's coming up right around the corner. And then you'll notice in there we're going to have a movie night coming up on July the 17th. I'm sorry, June the 17th, there'll be a movie night. We'll have a outdoor movie night, a drive-in out there, uh, like we've done the last few years. And then we have our mega camp, our, our vacation Bible school, mega sports camp for the kids. That'll be coming up July 11th through the 15th. So plenty of things I want you to mark on your calendar as we go into summer and the schedule changes a little bit. But it's a great time to still bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Amen. And I want to say thank you for your generosity, for giving here at the church as you give unto the Lord. God is doing great things in and through the church here. So you can give through our offering boxes on the wall. You can give through the mail or you can give online. And uh, we thank you and we appreciate your faithfulness in giving. And we, uh, I just always like to remind you that that giving is between you and the Lord. And it's an act of worship. And I always tell people, you know, uh, God's called us to give. And so he tells us to grow in the grace of giving. So as you're growing in your spiritual walk, you grow in giving as well. So I want to encourage you to give as unto the Lord and uh, as, as Jesus said, to give with a cheerful heart. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and, uh, and then we'll continue singing. 
Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I just thank you for all that you're doing in this place. I, I, uh, I just thank you for the many people that are coming to you, Lord. We're just seeing a lot of people that are connecting and starting a relationship with you. Many people that are getting re- reconnected, Lord, starting, starting a walk with God after many years of not walking with you. And Lord, we have many people that are just on fire to tell people, tell other people about you, Lord. So, God, I pray you'll use our church family, all of us, Lord. Uh, uh, just uh, every, You've given everybody so many different gifts, so many different talents, so many different passions, Lord. And you have us out in the community, and we're infiltrating the community with the love of God. So, God, I pray that you'll use us uh, as, your, as your light in the darkness in our world, God. We thank you for your people here, Lord, as they serve at the church, as they give, as they uh, passionately give to the Lord, as they passionately serve to you, Lord. And I pray you'll bless each gift and each giver. I pray you'll bless each one as they serve. Bless each one of us, Lord, as we uh, seek to be your, your reflection of your glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing another song as Cal leads us.
Father, I want to just thank you this evening for your faithfulness. Lord, help us be good stewards of your faith and follow and seek you. When we seek you, you listen. When we knock, the door opens. And Lord, we just thank you for that faithfulness here this evening. Lord, please soften our hearts this evening for the message you have brought to prepare for us here this evening. And we ask you just keep finding new ways of reaching out to us and help us to be good stewards and constantly seek out to you. And we just thank you for your continued faithfulness. In your name we pray. Amen.
the late 1930s, there was a man named Frank. He was diagnosed with hypertension. He was barely, that was barely understood back in those days. As a matter of fact, in 1937, at the age of 54, his blood pressure was 162 over 98. Um, in 1940, Frank's blood pressure went up to about 188 over 88. At this point, there was still no treatment offered. The doctors just didn't totally understand the depth of hypertension and what all this meant back then. In 1941, his blood pressure rose to 188 over 105. The doctors at that point began to tell him to cut back from work, and he, he tried, but uh, his condition didn't improve. Four years later, he, uh, his blood pressure goes up to 260 over 145. And then uh, a few months later, it goes up to 260 over 145. A few days after that, he had complained of having a headache, a severe headache. And, uh, and then they came in and they took his uh, blood pressure. He was fatigued and severe headache. They, uh, they took his blood pressure at 300 over 190. Later that day, he lost consciousness and died. Um, his name... Frank, as you may know him, is, his name was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And that was the history of things that were happening inside of his body that he had no clue of. Things that were happening inside of his body that the people around him had no clue of. Like, doctors didn't totally understand that in those days. Aren't you thankful for medical advances today? Like, uh, you know, you go to the doctor and he takes that blood pressure. You know, he's always watching me. I'm, you know, after I read those numbers, I'm like, I think I want to watch it a little bit more, right? And uh, I'm always like, yeah, I think there must be something wrong. You got to redo that, doc, right? But thank God for the medical advances that you can say, okay, this is this is what's happened. We we could, we can we can catch some of these things a lot earlier now if we'll just look at them. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that medicine hasn't advanced and figured out, but there are a lot of things that they have advanced and figured out. But I want you to think about this today as you look at that. As a follower of Christ, there are things that are happening inside of you that the world around you has no clue about. There's things that are happening inside of you that you're not even certain about. There's, there's things that, that, that put certain stress and struggles on you, and not just, to the, not just to the blood vessels of your body, but to your mind and to your spirit. And I want to remind you that as, as we jump into this, that's part of the transformation. Um, as we look here at 2 Corinthians 3.18, we looked at this verse a few weeks ago. And we, who were with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed in His likeness, into His image, His ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, if you go back and you were to read the few verses earlier, you would see he was talking about Moses. He said, you know, when Moses came off the mountain, man, he radiated with glory. The glory of God was shining off of him. And they, they even asked him to put a veil over his face. As you look through the Old Testament, the Old Testament talks about God in such heavy way. But the, the Old Testament itself is like a veil, he says. He says, now, as we move into this new world that you live in, you... You are the image of God. You are the reflection of God. And he says that we are being transformed. I love that. The Lord's, uh, we, with unveiled faces, so there's no veil between us and the people now, that, that we, we are the Lord, we get to see the Lord's glory, that we get to reflect that we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. I love that because it shows us, the, the word there for transformed is this metamorpho. 
And metamorpho is where we get the, the English word metamorphosis. But if you break down that word, meta means to change after being with. Um, you, there's a change that comes along, and that's what happens with us. We, we are changed after we've been with God. So metamorphosis, meta, metamorpho, meta being cha- changed after being with, and morpho, changing, changing form and keeping in a reality. So here we are, we are going through this being changed. As a follower of Christ, you become changed. And I want you to consider, you know, in nature how this happens. When you think about nature, you think about metamorphosis in nature. We talked about the butterfly a few weeks ago. I'm going to throw out another one that, uh, that quite often we don't think of as the, as the change happens, as the transformation happens. And that's what they call metamorphic rock. Okay? When you look at rocks, you don't think that they change at all. You look at a rock and you say, that's a rock. I found, you know, rocks all over my house. There's rocks. We got a lot of rocks in Finleyville, right? A lot of stone around here. Uh, they're always digging up there. You know, you hear them digging in Finleyville. There's limestone being dug everywhere, right? Um, but I want you to think about a metamorphic rock. Metamorphic rocks are the rocks that are inside the earth's crust and even deeper. And they're subject to pressure. They're subject to heat. And it's causing the atoms to recombine in a new rock formation. And, uh, and as they go through this, they go through this extreme heat, this extreme pressure over time, um, through the movements of the Earth's crust, through the erupting of volcanoes, these rocks they end up getting carried closer to the surface than they can be mined. So you, you have these rocks that are buried deep, deep, deep beneath the Earth's surface, and just through time and through uh, shifting of the plates, and man, these rocks come up. One, one such metamorphic rock is marble. Uh, uh, marble is a metamorphic rock, and here's how that happens. It forms when limestone is subjected to the heat and the pressure. Uh, any, anybody have a, a marble countertop at home? Yeah? Wow. Only one. Just one. One brave soul, right? Marble, granite. I, you know, those are beautiful, aren't they? you get got a piece of marble. you get got a, gra- a granite countertop. It's absolutely beautiful. So what happens is the... The calcite in that limestone recrystallizes over time, and with the continued pressure, it becomes marble. And all of a sudden, one day, you're so happy you've got that new, new marble, right? And I, I wrote in my notes there: the heat and pressure goes to your husband to get it, right? <laughs> heat and pressure—you finally get it after he gives in and says, "All right, I'm going to buy this for you, honey," right? So, so that—that's the heat and the pressure, man. That's a lot of heat and pressure there. But I'll tell you what: when you think about limestone. Yeah, I got limestone in my driveway. Think about limestone under this intense pressure buried deep beneath the earth's surface. As it goes through this intense pressure, all of a sudden it comes out something beautiful. And it's something that you pay top dollar for because you want this beautiful rock in your home. Another beautiful rock is a diamond. A diamond is made from graphite under great pressure. And so uh, right there is an ad for the diamonds back in 1947. Uh, diamonds are the hardest natural substance that are found on earth. Uh, you know, I, I had a saw. It was a diamond tip blade. You know, I was putting in some towel and I got the diamond tip blade. Why? I wanted the hardest thing to cut through and sharp and get, get the job done. So you got the diamond tip blade. But the, the diamond is made from graphite that goes through underneath a whole lot of pressure. Uh, almost all diamonds are formed about 100 miles below the surface of the earth. 
And that's deeper than what we're drilling for gas, I believe, right? Uh, it's carried, it gets carried, it comes up through the movements of the earth, and, and it rises, the rising hot magna, as well as the eruption of water from beneath the earth, from beneath the earth's crust, from, you know, the whole, the flood of Noah shifted everything around, man. So we've got these diamonds that are being formed well below the surface, and as they slowly make their way, as they slowly are mined, man, we go out and we pay top dollar for them. A hundred miles, think about that, a hundred miles into the center of the earth is where these diamonds are formed. Imagine the pressure on these little pieces of graphite. Um, you know, today diamonds are the most sought-after gem. This was a this was an ad from uh, from Debris, uh, an advertising foundation that, that made it. Well, we'll go back to the first one. That was the ad from Debris right there. This is the original ad from Debris that they would that they would put out, and they you know diamond a diamond is forever. And then I found a, a little bit more of a modern ad. Check this one out. The next one there says, "How can you make two months' salary last forever?" Diamond engagement rings, all right? And uh, I just had to laugh at that because uh, I remember that. And they do last forever, don't they? The, the diamonds, are, are they're, they're hard. You get them clean. You get them insured. Um, they're, they're Marilyn Monroe, remember she? You, the famous song Marilyn Monroe made popular. A diamond is a girl's best friend. Well, as you look throughout Scripture, you see that, man, these, these hard stones... These precious gems, man, they're made under pressure, and God even included them in the in the priestly garment. If you went into Exodus 28, you would see that He included on the on the uh, the breastplate for the for the priest were to be emeralds and rubies and sapphire and diamonds, and so they would they would be wearing these things. And so you, you see this this whole incredible uh, picture of the of the value there. And so here I'm holding in my hand a pencil, a number two pencil. It's got graphite in it. And that graphite with not much pressure here, I can write on this paper just fine. It's so, you know, it's so soft that I can come along and erase it. But if you take a diamond and you go write with a diamond, you're not erasing what you wrote with a diamond. Jeremiah 17, God says that he wrote with a diamond a message to us. And man, when it's a, that's a figure of speech there, but wow, what a powerful figure of speech to write with a diamond. You know, if I went out on the side of your car and wrote welcome on, with a diamond, you'd never forget that, right? And you'd never come back either, right? You'd say, I'm not going back to that church, you know? But uh, boy, why? Because it just cuts right through it. It's so sharp. And so I want you to think about this, man. Uh, these these number two pencils, they, they, you can you can break the tip, you can break that graphite real easy. As a matter of fact, that's what I used to do in school. I used to break it all the time just so I could get out of my chair and, and do the pencil sharpener. Back in those days when we had the pencil sharpener, that was my excuse because I was Mr. Fidget. You know, that was my excuse to get up and do something. I got out of my seat. But man, under extreme pressure, that same graphite becomes a diamond. And man, it becomes. A girl's best friend, it becomes the value, man, the most expensive rock you'll ever buy in your life. But I'll tell you what, it comes under a lot of pressure. And I want to jump into God's words, and I want to show you something about pressure. I want to show you something, how God transforms us, and he does the very same as he does with a piece of graphite. As he does with a piece of limestone, as he shows us in nature. And as you go through nature, you see all these things in nature that God has. Over in Romans, it says that nature, the very nature of God, uh, excuse me, the very creation declares the glory of God. 
And so I want you to think about that because the, the, the world that we're living in, even, we can even learn lessons from the basic way the world that God made creation. And so you see this, this is beneath our surface, you know, that way below where we're living. There's pressure that is insurmountable. And so we're going to go through life and we're going to face some pressures. I want you to see what God says about it. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have, uh, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts off this chapter on a high note. He says, man, listen, you have been justified. Justified means that it's just as if you've never sinned. That's what God did. He set the record straight. God has declared you righteous, and it is just as if you never sinned. That's just a, a little way that's helped me remember that, right? It's just a layman's term to this big theological word, justified. And he says, therefore, having been justified, seeing you have been made right with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, man, we've got this hope coming. One day we will be in the presence of God Almighty face to face. Um, this past week we had a funeral here at the church for Ross Haney. One of our longtime friends here at the church. One of our longtime members of the church. who went to be with the Lord as we're talking and walking through this week, you know, that blessed hope, because we have been made right with God through Jesus, the peace that God made. God made peace between me and between God. God has made the peace between you and God. And so the way we get to God is only through Jesus Christ. And so we were able to celebrate that this week as we, as we had a home going for Ross Haney. But as we, as we do that, that's our hope of glory. We, we rejoice in the hope of glory. We have this future that's coming. We know there is the hope of the glory of God that we'll be in his presence and we will live with him forever and ever. But the Apostle Paul takes the next step. He says, and not only that, not only, not only do we rejoice in that, but we also glory in tribulations. Now, all right, wait a minute. I get the part about going about going to heaven. There's a street of gold. There's no more sickness. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. And the Apostle Paul says, hey, we glory in our future, and we're glorying also right now in our present tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance. <clears throat> that word for tribulations in the Greek can, be, can better be translated here, pressure knowing that we also will glory in our pressure, the pressures of life, the pressures of this world. Uh, some translations will have translated this word suffering. Some translations have translated it there as problems and trials, afflictions, distress. And so the Apostle Paul is giving us a big outlook on life here. And I'll tell you, this outlook of verse 3 is where the transformation starts to come. Because it's easy for me to think about the good things. And when I'm looking forward to the future hope of glory and I get all excited about heaven and the, and the street of gold, yeah, that's all good. And I can't wait for that. But man, I gotta learn how to live here. And I gotta learn how to get through this right now. And he says, man, thank God. He says, not only do we rejoice in the future glory, but we rejoice in our, we, we also have glory in tribulations knowing that tribulations produces 
perseverance, endurance. And perseverance, endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And I want you to catch it because this is where we quite often get off on the train. Like the train is, is tough there, right? It says, man, tribulation produces the endurance. Man, I, that's where you learn how not to quit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a lifer. I'm gonna keep going at this thing for a lifetime. But you know what? Many people right there, when they hit the tribulation, they stop. And, and, and let me tell you, let me just share it with this about pressures of life. Life has pressures in it, whether you are a Christ follower or not. And so the glory of this is that as a Christ follower, God uses those pressures in your life to transform you. And look at the transformation there. You will become the non-quitter. You will be the one who grows in perseverance. You will not give up. You will just keep going. You see, that's what tribulations do. If you don't have any tribulations, there's never a reason for your faith to have been challenged. There's nothing has ever grown. You've had no pressure. You're just a piece of graphite. And you're just a, a number two pencil still. And it's, and it's all wonderful. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with a, a number two pencil. But you know what's really wild? I've never seen anybody get engaged and give their wife a number two pencil. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, dear, I love you so much. Here's my love for a lifetime. Just wear it around your neck. You'll be fine. No, we don't do that. We go for the diamond. The diamond is the example of perseverance. Man, you know, that diamonds they'll be here after we're gone. I have at home diamonds from my grandmother. They were my my grandmother's. My, my mom handed them down to us. I gave them to my wife. I said, here, enjoy them. They're not going to do anybody any good sitting in a drawer. But those diamonds outlived her life, and they'll outlive my life. And God says, whenever you got under the pressure. Now, listen, here's the deal. I don't like the pressure, and neither do you. Pressure is no fun. You know, some of you have a pressure cooker at home. You know, there's an Instapots now. I hear everybody talking about them. Man, they got locks on them so that you can't hurt yourself, man. But you, you, put, you put that little bit of food under instant pressure, man, it's cooked fast. And so over a lifetime of pressure, over a lifetime of tribulation, of pain, of suffering, of trials, he says that he produces this character in your life, endurance, and then you grow in your character and your hope gets stronger as you grow through this tribulation, as you grow through this time. We glory in our tribulation. You know what? He doesn't say there that we glory for our tribulation or we're proud of our tribulation. He says, no, we glory in our tribulation. C.S. Lewis said it this way. I like what C.S. Lewis said here. He says that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. And have you ever noticed that when you're going through a, uh, a particularly tough time, you tend to pray a little bit more? You tend to ask for prayer a little bit more? You tend to be seeking God, like you're, you're, you're looking for what God has to say whenever you're in pain. And so if that's true... 
If that's true, that yeah, listen, when when things are happy, when when there's when there's pleasure and things are going well, man, I am really enjoying life, and and I think we have somehow we've got this this view in in our little world that that that's the way that it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to always be happy and everything's supposed to be comfortable. And yet the Apostle Paul says we glory in our tribulations. And I love this quote from C.S. Lewis because he's saying, hey, listen, you're not going to hear very much of God when things are good. Oh, he's there and he's talking. But you get a little distracted when it's so good because you don't need him as much. And then he talks to your conscience. But man, he really screams. He is, you can hear him loud and clear when you're in pain. Oh, man. One man said it like this. He said, I always knew in principle that Jesus is all you need to get through life. He said, but you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. The man went through a terrible time in his life. And then he ended up understanding, wow, what this dependence on God is. He understood that, man, he grew so much tighter to God, got so much closer through those times of hardship. Suffering plants the flag of truth within the fortress of a rebel heart. And I want you to think about that. There's a flag of truth. Whenever you're going through this, through hard times, that flag of truth gets placed on there. Man, just like whenever man landed on the moon, he plants the flag. And you, you know, here we are. We've conquered. Man, whenever you're going through this hard time, the truth that God loves me, the truth that God is near, the truth that God will never leave me, the truth, the hope of glory that the Apostle Paul talked in the first two verses, that truth becomes stronger because the flag has been planted in the middle of your life. Some people have told me they've been close to death's door many times. And as I hear that statement over and over again, I'm reminded as I hear them tell me they've just gotten stronger and they've grown in their faith. Verse 5 continues on. Romans 5, 5 says this. Now hope does not disappoint. I love that. He says we glory on our tribulations. The tribulations produce endurance, perseverance. The endurance and perseverance produces character and that character, hope. And he says now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Wow. In your notes, the first thing I want to put in your notes tonight is this, is that God uses pressure to transform us. God uses pressure. He takes takes our life as that that little piece of limestone, that little piece of graphite, and uh, we're under extreme pressure And man, you're looking at your life and you're saying, man, I'm a really good pencil. Look at that. I can be used and they can draw great things with me and and they can even erase me if they need to. And you get all excited about being a pencil. In the meantime, God says, I've got something bigger for you. God says, I didn't create you to be a pencil. I'm putting you under pressure. To make you a diamond. 
I'm putting you through this pressure so that you will grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus so that you can be transformed into the likeness and glory of God. And what happens when you have a diamond? Man, when those girls get those diamonds, they come to church. It's so cool. You know, my daughter got engaged this past year. She got married in September. When she got her diamond, man, she's going around. She's showing everybody her diamond, you know. Uh, There's a girl comes down here on the front row uh, on Sunday morning. She just got engaged a few weeks ago. She comes into church. She's like, hi, Pastor Ken. You know, she's showing off her diamond, right? Because the diamonds reflect this glory. And you could see the glory in her face of what was reflecting from the diamond. And it wasn't the diamond. It was this, this big pressure commitment she was getting into, right? It was like the pressure of the rest of your life. But man, she, she's, she's just beaming. And so this is what God does with us, man. We're in his diamonds. And we reflect his glory. And so God has us on, on display and we're, we're, his, we're the reflection of his glory and these diamonds are radiating. And, and, and God says, man, that's what I did. I took, a, I took somebody who had no clue of what they would look like, what they would be like, what they would become. And this is what I have been making. This is what I have been doing. James 1 says it like this. James is a bondservant. He says, uh, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who were dispersed abroad. Greetings. He's writing a letter to the, to the 12 tribes of Israel, to the, to the Jewish people that were now, become, that were now believers who were spread out. So they were spread out. Why? Because of troubled times. Spread out because of different persecutions and, and they're, they're moving about. He says, to all these people that have been spread about, he says, consider it, number two, verse two, consider it all joy, my brother, whenever you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces, and there's our word again, endurance. Hmm. Consider it all joy when you encounter trials. That is so opposite of the way I was trained. That is so opposite of my natural state. That is so opposite of my comfort zone. And the Apostle James here, James is sending this word out. He, uh, he, he's, he's writing this letter. He says, Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Man, your faith is going to make it. Knowing that God is working and He's transforming you. Consider it all joy. And let endurance, verse 4, let endurance have its perfect way, its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He says, man, let it grow. Let that, let that grow. Let that endurance, let it grow. For when your endurance is totally developed, it's going, you, you're going to be Complete. You're going to be mature. When you see the word complete in Scripture, it's the word mature. You're going to be mature. You, you know, a mature person, he doesn't need anything. That's what he's saying. He's saying you're going to be mature in Christ. And so transformation is the intention that God has for mankind since, since, since Satan has come in and corrupted our world. God has said, I'm going to transform, and he did it through the power of Jesus on the cross. And so as you look at trials today, as you face pressure, as you face all these pressure and all the trials, I'm going to give you a few thoughts here today to remember. And number two in your notes is this. Remember that God is in control. Remember that God is in control. You're going through troubled times, man. 
Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He says, but I leave you peace, not as the world has, but as, I, as the Father gives, as, as, as Jesus gives peace. So he gives a different peace than the world gives. The world gives peace when problems go away. God gives peace in the midst of the problem. Did you catch the difference there? The world says everything has to stop and there's no more, no more problems. God says, listen, the world is, you're going to have trouble and I'm going to, I'm going to be with you and I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. So as he does that, he, he, he gives, he gives us peace as we go. God is in control. The child of God must understand that nothing happens to the child of God that's out of the command or permission of the Lord. Nothing happens in your life out of the command or the permission of the Lord. God doesn't come and strike you and zap you and give you bad things. But listen, God says, I know. If you go in the book of Job, you'll see that Job was a a God-honoring person, God-honoring man. He was fearing the Lord. And and as he was uh, fearing the Lord and he stepped up to the plate to, 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 to honor and love the Lord, the enemy comes before God and says, hey, he doesn't really love you. Let me test them and see. And so even, even the book of Job, we see under, under those terms that God says, yeah, he can take the pressure. And, and you see, you don't know the pressure that you can take. I don't know the pressure that I can take. And, um, but I know that God is with me every step of the way. And I know that he is in total control. When I start to understand that, Romans 8.28 says it very, very wise. You've heard this before. Read this with me. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We know that everything in my life, everything in your life, works together for good to those who love God, who are called according to the purposes of God. You see, God is shaping you and there's all kind of pressure right now on you and you're screaming from the pressure. God says, hang in there. And he doesn't just tell you to hang in there by yourself. He says, I'm with you. Man, he says, we know that everything in our life, all the things that that people have done to you that were that they meant harm, God says, I intend good. God didn't have tell that person to go over and do something bad to you. But I tell you what, God says, I can take that bad thing that that bad person did to you, and I can transform it into good. You see, that's the power of pressure. That's the power of, of God. That's the power of the diamond. That's the power of the graphite under pressure becomes the diamond. And so God makes this beautiful thing in your life. Ecclesiastes says like this, He makes all things beautiful in His time. In the timetable of God, He makes everything beautiful. So I look on my life and I see there's a lot of not beautiful stuff right now. But it's not on my timetable. In God's moment of action, in His time, He makes all things beautiful in His time. So, He does this to conform us to His image. Why? Why do we have these trials? To conform us to the image of God. God has a purpose for trials. I want you to understand this. That's the third point in your notes, is that God has purpose 
for your trials. There's a purpose. Everything in your life, God has a purpose for it. And so as you look at this, you say, well, first of all, Romans 8, 28, uh, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for all these things. And so God has a purpose for these trials. One, one of the purposes is to conform us to his image. He wants to transform us to the image of his son. Romans 8:29, the very next verse. Now, I love this. So he just got done saying in Romans 8:28, all things work together for good. Now he says, for those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So what he says here, he's saying, listen, God, God knew you'd be a follower of Christ. He's working in your life. All those that, that he's known for years, he says he is conforming us to the likeness of his son. So this is why, that's why you, you put Romans 8, 28 and 29 together. Most people know Romans 8, 28. You've heard it. You've at least seen a, a card with it on. You've seen a sticker with it on. But now follow it up. The reason for that is, is because he is conforming us to the image of his son. That's the transformation process. That we might be like Christ. In other words, Jesus would be the firstborn among many. In other words, Jesus is the only begotten son. And he's saying that we are in the family of God. We will be the likeness of Christ. And we will become like him. Man, so God is doing this, and, and he's taking this long, long time. I said a few weeks ago that you know, it took God six days to create the earth, and then he rested. It's taken him 53 years on this guy. You know, he's been working on me for 53 years, and he's still not done with, him, with me yet, right? And so it's because it, I require pressure. I require time. I require the God of the universe to never leave me, to never forsake me, and that's what he's doing. And that's what it takes to make me what he wants me to be. Uh, to draw us closer to him is another reason. That's the second reason for the purpose of God. The purpose of God, uh, for, uh, the purpose of trials that God has given to us. God's purpose for trials is this, to draw us closer to himself. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing like being close with God. You know, if you go through life and you don't have trials and you never get close with God, you've missed it. But Jesus already said in this world, you will have trials. So go through life, go through trials without Christ. That'd be a horrible thing. God says, you're going to go through the trials, and I want to draw you into myself. I like what he told the the children of Israel over in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He said this to the children of Israel. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Could you imagine that? A whole nation living in tents, living in the wilderness 40 years. He says, remember how the Lord took you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character. There's the principle from Romans chapter 5. Proving your character. He's humbling you. Um, he's testing you to prove your character, to find out whether or not you would obey his commands, to see if you are going to grow in your character. Verse 3, yes, we humbled you by letting you go hungry. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. 
<laughs> yeah, they, they didn't have any food. They were starving. Then God says, I'm going to be your provider. And it's the wonderful story. I love it. That, you know, the, the manna, manna means what is it? God sent them food that they didn't even know what it is. And they're eating, you know, could you imagine? What are you having for dinner? I don't know. What is it? And they ate manna, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then they got tired and they got sick of it and they started to complain of it, right? But God, look, it says that He humbled them and by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to your ancestors. He did it to teach you that, uh, to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, rather that they live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He said, I'm teaching you dependence on God. For all those 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Isn't that amazing? These people are nomads. They're walking in a desert. He says, your clothes didn't wear out. Man, my clothes don't last at all. I don't have anything that lasts like that. Forty years. Think about it. Just, a parent, just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord God disciplines you for your own good. So God allows things to come into our life to draw us closer to himself. And then, then he allows things to come into our life to help us depend on him. It forces us to depend on him. Sufferings, trials, they help us to depend on God. Oh, look at that verse again from James. Consider it all joy, my brother, when you fall into, uh, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Trials, they produce steadfastness, they produce patience in us. God's original plan is for is, is uh, God's original plan is for man to totally depend on him. And this brings him great joy. However, because the, the enemy came in and corrupted things, uh, we, we end up getting off track and we forget that, man, that's where our strength, that's where our joy comes from. And as you go over into the book of Second Chronicles, there's an interesting thing that happened. A, a king went out and he took matters into his own hands. Instead of going before God, he took matters into his own hands. And, and uh, I'm just going to read this to you. Second Chronicles 16, 7. Uh, a little bit more than what I have on there, but I'll leave that there. At the time, Hanani, the, the seer, the, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. He went over and he made. He took matters into his own hand. He he sent over some silver and gold. He said, "I'm going to I'm going to make a treaty with this guy." And because he did not rely on the Lord, and he went out and he did what looked good and looked like the right thing, because he didn't depend on God, he lost. And you know, same thing happens in your life. Same thing happens in my life. When I make the decisions that I think that I should make and it looks like the right thing, but I didn't depend on God, I lose. Proverbs, we studied Proverbs a lot this year. There's a way that seems right unto a man. The end leads to destruction. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so as we go through the pressure of these trials, we're transformed. 
the pressures that you're facing is the mighty hand of God transforming you into a diamond. And you are being transformed. I love that. That's my... You know, after I die, maybe they can put that on my tombstone. Being transformed. Because my wife, when we get to heaven, she'll finally meet the guy that God wanted me to be. Like right now, she's only got about 80% of what God's looking for, right? Like, well, maybe 150, I don't know. Yeah. But listen, she's only got a, she doesn't see the perfect, what God has made. You know why? Because God's still working. And I can tell you, because I got plenty of pressure, and I got plenty of suffering. I got plenty of trials. And the same is for you. And I want you to go back and look in your life and look at all the pressure and look at all the trials and look at all the suffering and look at them differently now and realize that the Lord is doing something in your life. And then you can pray. And when you, when you see, listen, here's what happens. We typically, when we go through trials and suffering and pain, our heart is in torment. Our heart is shred. And... and and what we've got to do is we, got to, we have to come and respond. We, I typically go to complaining, worrying, stress. And man, this is just where we go, right? Instead, while we're in this pressure, let's learn to pray. Let's learn to talk to the Lord. Let's learn to respond to Him. Because knowing, see, now that I know, okay, this, I will get through this time right now because He is with me and because He is developing me. I am a piece of graphite that's turning into a diamond. God is transforming me. I don't understand it. This is the most painful thing. And he's chiseling me at times. And that's the way God is going to work. And he's working on me like none other because he is putting me in the pressure. Same for you. God is working on you. You are individual. It is not something that, hey, you know what? God says, uh, I'm just going to punish everybody. This is not even a punishment. This is, hey, I love you. I care about you. And the way that we develop your character is through endurance, through perseverance. Oh, we'll check this out. Psalm 34, as we wrap up tonight, Psalm 34, verse 1, is a prayer. As you go through the book of Psalms, there's a prayer for everything. And I want to encourage you, go through the book of Psalms, read them, and you will find things that you can pray for everything. And I love this prayer right here. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord when I'm under pressure. I will bless the Lord... When I'm under stress, I will bless the Lord when I am suffering and when I don't understand what he's doing. I will bless the Lord at the good times. I will bless the Lord in the bad times. I will bless the Lord all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Wow. I can't complain. The hand of God is with me. The hand of God is with you. And when you start to complain and you start to grumble and you start to gripe because these things aren't going your way and because it's painful, God says, I know, I know you're in pain. But here's the antidote. Here's how you get through this. Here's how God tells you. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. My soul, verse 2, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. Man, I'm not boasting in my life. I'm boasting in the, in the love of God. 
the humble. Some translations use the word afflicted there. The afflicted. I want you to catch this because when you're afflicted, you're pretty humble, aren't you? When you're going through pain, you're in a humbling state. He says that the afflicted will hear it and rejoice. Man, they will... They hear the good, the, the, the praise to God and rejoice. So whenever you speak, whenever you praise the Lord, you will rejoice. Like, even for you to hear it, you praise and your, His praise is continually on your mouth. You're hearing what you're saying. And you also hear when you complain and when you worry. You hear all that. So God says, don't complain, don't worry. Let the praise of God be continually on your mouth and You will hear it. You will rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I love it. Let us exalt his name together. You need the body of Christ. Thanks be to God you're here tonight. Thanks be to God you've tuned in tonight online. This is what we need. We're exalting the Lord together. You know, when you come in, isn't it encouraging to know that there's somebody else that is following the Lord like you are? Isn't it encouraging to find that there's somebody else who might suffer some of the same things that you suffer from? Man, when I come into the church, sometimes I think I'm the only one who suffers from certain things. Then all of a sudden I hear somebody come and say, yeah, I got the same problem. I'm like, oh, I thought that was my, I thought, I thought it was, I thought I was the only weak one. No, we're all weak. We all have problems. We all, God has put us together. Magnify the Lord together with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He answered me, and He delivered me from all my fears. That's it. The world's pretty fearful right now. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're afraid of a health diagnosis. You just got a health diagnosis, and it scared you to death. Maybe it's a job loss. Maybe it's a relational loss. Maybe your, your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe you lost a relationship. God says, seek the Lord, and he'll deliver you from the fears. He doesn't say that he'll make all your problems go away. He says you won't have to be afraid of them anymore. That's transformation. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, I, I want to take you to Jesus. He died on the cross, and he paid for your sin he came back to life again. And you don't have to be afraid of the pressure and trials. You can be confident that he is working in your life. And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, if you just, maybe you say, Pastor Ken, I need to start that relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you just to call on him, to reach out to the Lord tonight and pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And God, I ask you now to come into my life and to transform me from the inside out. And for others in this room tonight, others watching online, maybe maybe tonight you can look and you can say, wow, you have been... uh, You've gone through a, a hard time. You, maybe you're going through the pressure right now. Maybe you're going through the trials. Maybe you're going through the suffering. 
And maybe tonight God has just spoken to you that it's the hand of God. Or maybe you can see the hand of God. Maybe you can see that it's what others intended for evil. God's intending for good. And maybe tonight God's speaking to you. I want to encourage you to go home. Take out Psalm 34. Read the first four verses again. Pray that to the Lord. Apply those principles to your life. Let it transform you from the inside out. God, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power in it. Thank you for the freeing. Thank you for the transformation power of God, how you love us and you care for us. And God, right now I ask that you'll transform each one of us this week, Lord. I know that we're all under pressure. We're all facing some sort of pressure, some sort of suffering, some sort of pain that we don't necessarily understand, but we know that you promised to be with us. We know that you promised to transform us into your likeness. So, God, I thank you that, that we are a church, a family up here on this hill. We're growing. We're getting to know you, and we're growing and getting to know each other, and you're transforming our entire life, all of our relationships, our heart. You're transforming us through the different trials and different tribulations that we're going through. I pray you'll put your hand of peace upon us, Lord, as we go through this moments, and that we'll learn to let you deliver us from the fears. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, let's stand and be dismissed. I want to encourage you to meet. Lower than